0: This is Guru Live, a three-day celebration of TV, film and games through discussions and coffee. I'm Rihanna Dillon. TV is all about new ideas and every company wants a brilliant development team at its core. But once you've had the idea, how do you develop it and sell it to a broadcaster? We've assembled four old hands to explain. For your listening pleasure, here are Greg Barnett, Commissioning Editor at Channel 5... Carl Warner, the managing director of Electric Ray; Jill Wilson, head of features at Channel Four; and Johnny Mina, head of development at Shine TV. It's all chaired by Emma Morgan. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Hello, welcome. Thank you so much for so many of you coming. Obviously, all development starts off with great ideas. So. Johnny, coming from Shine, how do you and your team develop ideas? Where do they come
1: from? Well, there's no right or wrong way of, of running development. Everyone on the panel here, is all, I think you've all been in development and run development at, um, at some point. But the, the main thing with development is really the very starting point is where do the good ideas come from? Where do the ideas come from? Um, and at Shine, the way we kind of work it at the moment is that um, uh, we have a, a small team that um, we meet every morning and we go through newspapers and we have a conversation about what's on TV the night before. And we spend about 30 minutes just... Um, uh, trying to just see what the current subjects, topics are, um, issues, things that people have spotted, moreover, usually the most interesting stuff is the things people have been talking about in the pub, which is where things like Hunt come came from in the island, um, and uh, you know, just spotting some of those little trends and the, um, uh, the kind of national debate, the sort of things that are going on under the surface. Um, and uh, we'll we'll have a conversation in the morning, and uh, and then throughout the day we'll just keep we'll we'll be working on various projects, but we'll be we'll be we'll keep talking about um, uh, things we've spotted, news articles. We'll be reading the Daily Mail at lunchtime, and we just keep talking as much as possible about new thoughts and new territories, and um, and we'll keep note of them. And by the end of the week, we'll we'll have a look again, and any that kind of strike a chord, we'll then put a bit of time into work up. Um, but beyond that process you, you, that's the sort of beginning of all the, the kernels of the ideas but after that you then have um, your, your process then is to speak to the commissioning editors and um, if you know you're going to be coming up with Jill Wilson for example with Channel 4 then you look at the, uh, the sort of top line ideas that, um, or at least we do that we've uh, come up with and um, we think actually are any of these right for features and right for Channel 4 at 8 o'clock for features you know, are, are, are any of them lifestyle skewing, or can we make them lifestyle skewing? and we'll work those up in a, in a kind of form that we think Jill would work for Jill Slot's um, so the that, idea
0: comes first rather the I- than the channel. The idea
1: comes first, although we're always informed by the channel. So um, we, you know that, and also that, that Shine TV, we, know, we make um, sort of what we call social experiments. We do some features programs, daytime shows, factual programs. We're never going to come up with a game show. We're never going to get a game show commissioned. We might come up with a game show, but we, we're not going to go into um, a game show commissioner and say, well, we're Shine TV, we'll, we'll make you a great game show because we don't have the expertise in the company to, to really do that. So we have to be wary that when, we're, when we come up with these starting points, they have to fit into the kind of shows that we make as a company. So it's always really important when you're working for a company to realise what that company's strengths are. And um, if you do come up with a good idea, think, is this an idea that this company could make? Or how can I make it a good idea that this company could make? And
0: when you say you've got quite a, quite a small team, how small? What's the makeup of your team?
1: Uh, so at the moment it's myself. I've got another uh, sort of a development exec, um, uh, an AP, and... Uh, a researcher and an intern, so it's quite a it's quite a slim it's quite a slim group, and so everybody is it's really everyone's responsibility to come up with ideas. You can't be on a development team and, and sort of and think, oh well, you know, everyone else come up with the ideas, and I'll sort of do a bit of research in the background, and I won't um, I won't put my head up uh, above the parapet. Uh, development teams—it's companies investing their own money in ideas. And if you're joining a development team, you have to be able to come to the table with with observations and thoughts and and ideas for programs. If you can't do that, there isn't really a, a place for you, I think, on a development team. Unless you're doing a fund of development, which is very specific work on um, on trying to stand up an idea, um, and you're given very clear directives. If you're in a general development team, you really have to um, you really have to bring ideas. You've really got to think, and you've really got to challenge yourself to. Um, Uh, To think of what is the next big thing that's going to work on Channel Four. You can't just rest in your laurels. So,
0: would you say quite often you've got to be fearless when you're in that development (laughs) environment? That the worst idea in your head is probably the best idea.
1: Yeah, and you have to. I mean, some companies are really supportive and really good at uh, just allowing people to say whatever they think in meetings. And and that's if you're in a good company, you'll be you'll feel like you're you're not being challenged, that you're able to speak freely and speak openly, and not you know and be in fear of your job if you say that you know. uh, a show that you think, oh God, you know, that's, that's quite embarrassing. I can't believe that came out of my mouth. And I do that quite regularly. There's lots of shows that I say, and I think, you know, uh, and Emma's, uh, I've worked with Emma before, and I've, I've come up with loads of things which I've sort of been really embarrassed about after I've walked out of the room. But I think it's really important that you're able to do that, and um, the best companies will allow you to do that and nurture you and help and help, um, and help help kind of direct your thinking. Um, and I think when you're in development, when you come to, if you get a position in development, just, I, I, my advice is just to, is to say what excites you you're working in TV you all watch television or you should watch TV and you should know what is gonna, uh, what's going to sell what people are going to really enjoy watching what you enjoy watching and just come to um, come to uh, meetings with, with ideas that you'd love to watch because ultimately if you'd love to watch them the likelihood is that everybody else is going to love to watch them as well and, and you work in this business you've, and you really should have a say in, uh, and to contribute to what the next generation of programmes are
0: so what write, <laughs> oh, you yeah.
2: What's the sa- okay. shape of your team? It's <laughs> all um, sort of worrying. It, it's kind of very similar, um, and I think that is part <laughs> of the problem in um, television, generally, actually, that that um, we all uh, work in quite a similar way. We consume the same sorts of uh, media, we read the same papers, listen to the music, watch the same films. Um, so I think I think the principles are often quite similar. We have a similar sized team. Um, we go about it in a, in the a, in a same sort of way, but but we're always trying to um, think differently if we can, so one of our sort of maxims if you like, that's a bit of a grand way of putting it, but, but it's to try and do things differently as often as possible because otherwise you end up going into cliché um, and, and that is a big problem for, for people in telly that are talking about ideas all the time and often you're seeing the same people again and again and again and so you, it's very easy to f- get into a track, uh, a familiar track or path of oh, do you remember that idea we had? And, start trying to develop that same old thing again um, so, so our big thing is how do you do things differently and that, and that can be from the time of day that you decide to have an idea session to the, the sort of configuration of a group um, that you put yourself with um, that there's a sort of comfort and a, and a slightly lazy thing I think sometimes creatives do which is to only talk to the same people or just brainstorm with the same people in the same sorts of ways, in the same rooms even um, and then they're surprised when they have the same sort of ideas as everybody else um, so our big thing is how, to, how can we keep doing it differently, keep refreshing and challenging ourselves? Um, I totally agree with what Johnny said there as well, about creating an environment that feels really supportive and fearless. Um, uh, and I, I really believe that it has to be playful. That, that All creatives, if they're proper creatives, they're playful uh, and they're curious. If you're someone that thinks you know it all, you're not a creative because you're, you're always kind of wondering about what if there or what about that. Um, so, so, create an environment that, that you feel really supported in, that you can be fearless, um, is, is important. But, uh, you've got to be focused too because, uh, you know, I think, I think there's a kind of, um, again, a slightly lazy creative will just think, oh, we can go into a room and we can just like chuck ideas around and, and they don't turn up with any preparation. haven't looked at a brief. But I think that, that's another sort of bad road to go down. So you want, you want a kind of fearless culture but also a really focused one and, and, and one that has set parameters.
0: Once you've got that idea and you know you're going to go and see Jill or Greg, well, how long do you work on your ideas before they come to you? Uh, months and
2: months. <laughs> Ten minutes and minutes.
3: Says, I've been in the shower this morning, right? and this came up. Just, 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 just. Uh, can
0: you tell, though, how long people have spent before yeah. they come to you? And, and actually, do you want people... Sometimes I feel when we're pitching, people go, please don't overwork yeah. it before you come into the room. Yeah. Bring it to us while it's still quite a lively, active
3: idea. It's really interesting, and it's really interesting for the people who are here today at the level that you are, because what the guys are saying is absolutely right, which is think about what people want to watch. But we make it, I, both Greg and I commission a huge volume of programmes. And what's really interesting is people come to us maybe, in any given week, people say eight production companies come to us. And you can tell the people who are regularly pitching and the, and the people who aren't. Because, for example, I'm smaller production companies and people who haven't necessarily got as much experience... They will bring in the book of the week, which is, there was a, a, about a month ago, uh, six people in one book, uh, in one week, brought me the gut and psychology book, which is great. It's a really great insight, especially for our department in terms of how does your gut affect your brain and your neurology and all of those things. It's like, that's a really reasonable insight to have looked at, but how do we in any way make that into, you've got the shadow of embarrassing bodies, how are you going to take that book, which, the, you know, it, you could have that, you could have in any one week, Joe Wicks, the body coach, you could have clean eating. And and you're all looking at all of those things... ...because they're all in your zeitgeist. And they're all really, really interesting and valid things to bring forward. But as Carl says, if you haven't got a spin on it... ...and you haven't got a take on it... ...then to us, it's kind of, yeah, no, I know, I was in Waterstones yesterday. Great and everything, but what are we going to do, kind of. So what's interesting to us is when ideas come in... ...sometimes when these guys know when they've got a kernel of something which no one else has got, that they know is particular to them and that's worth working up. But in terms of when you're thinking about what you, how far you work up an idea, it's really worth thinking about two things really worth, and especially at the stage right now, is what's the insight? Where's the insight? So given that you've, you've read the papers and you've looked at online and you've looked at what else is on the telly which is informing everyone else's opinion, it's only Game of Thrones now, the amount of fashion pictures I've had with leather and white braids, I'd watch it. I don't think anyone else is watching it. But what's your level of insight? So uh, secret eases. Colette Foster walked in and said, isn't it amazing how people who are overweight often say, I have no idea. I have no idea. Really? Non, non, non idea. Let's rig up cameras, and it was great. It was a great show. It was very inclusive. And um, marriage at first sight came from obviously it was an acquisition, but it was around the fact that I think it's awful if you have to be in a relationship these days. It's like oh well, bit of Tinder, bit of Grinder. Oh, and I could look at him on online. We just used to go to the pub and you'd sort of just get a bit drunk and then you'd kiss someone and then if you kissed them again, you went out with them. That was the end of it. So, and then you moved into a communal house. If there was only the two of you left, that was it. That was what happened. So, uh, that's how your father and I got together, shush. So, um, uh, it's the idea around, it was the insight around too much choice in relationships and Married at Fair Sight to us was the kind of the ultimate take on that, but it was the ultimate to it. So when people come to us and say, watch, you know, how much is this worth developing and how developed an idea is, think how original it is. If it is, do you want to have a look at gut and psychology and you go, no, do you know what? We've kind of rinsed that for a few weeks and we don't think there's anything in it then that's probably one not to take that far because everyone's got access to it. If it is something that you kind of think, hang on a minute, I'm ahead of the curve on that one, or this is a very original thought, it is worth really interrogating that further, and we absolutely can tell. But there's no, there's no shame, there's no right and wrong. There's no right and wrong, and I just hate it when small companies spend a lot of money in development for us, and you go, no, you know, just drop us one line, we'll come back. We'll come back and go, you know, we're doing something a bit like it, or we've done something a bit like it, or, as happened about six weeks ago, it's on the telly now, have a look. Yeah. A bit later, someone said to me, "Donna Porter really likes old clothes. We should do something about that. I like, it's on the telly. Yeah. So that's, there's no right or wrong, but they're the two guys. If it's original... Really work on it. If it's something that's in the zeitgeist that you kind of feel a lot of people have got access to, unless you've got a really original take, drop a line and say, is this worth it or are you all over it? When you're
0: coming up with these ideas, quite often you get a thought, and that could be an interesting thought that could be an interesting programme, but we all know the Holy Grail is the format of the returning series. How do you nail that when you've got a kernel of a good idea but you've got to find some way that it's repeatable without being boring so that people
2: keep coming back. What's, what's the, your insights on that, Carl? Oh, <laughs> I was thinking, well, that sounds quite hard. <laughs> <laughs> um, so how, how do you create something that feels returnable? Yeah. Um, well, I suppose, I suppose the, the, the thing about, for, well, at, at the moment, formats is still a bit of a mm. dirty word, actually, I think most broadcasters that you see at the moment, which is sometimes a bit frustrating. I, I come from predominantly an entertainment background, which you know, trades in formats uh, all the time. Um, But but we're we're out of fashion a bit. You know, you go to most broadcasts and they'll talk to you about authenticity what's the reason for being you know you can't just go it's funny or it'll be a laugh this one um i try i try hard <laughs> they, don't, the they keep saying oh, no what's yeah the what's the purpose what's the gravity they say words like they say words i don't understand they say like words like grab oh, yeah. transgressive i don't know what the fuck does that mean <laughs> um sorry your son's here I do. Awesome. <laughs> um, and um uh so yeah so 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 authenticity um is a key thing at the moment um, but for formats are being hidden, I suppose, yeah, more and more in ideas development. So the island, I suppose, is a format. I mean, it, it's a very stripped-down format, but it, and it has... A, I mean, Johnny will speak to this better than I will, but, but there's, there's construction at the top of it. These people don't ordinarily live on this island. They've obviously put them there. Um, but there are format beats hidden, but they all feel uh, like they're naturally occurring. Uh, the best... Formats of the day. Uh, this is a friend of mine who says He calls them naturally occurring formats. Um, so childbirth is a brilliantly naturally occurring format because there are lots of dramatic beats in it. You know, you've got a good reveal at the end. Baby comes out. Um, you know, it's not something you have to say. Oh, we've we've constructed this, um, and it happens again and again and again. Childbirth. So so that is you know and. and uh, the Garden did a brilliant thing of doing 24 hours in, in, in uh, A&E uh, uh, sorry,
4: one board. one board Every
2: Minute was the other one, yeah, one but, but I think, I think with, with formats or with storytelling mm-hmm. the thing to remember is that actually people enjoy hearing the same story again and again and, and the best formats often more or less tell the same story again and again with, with variations of them um, someone once t- told me a sort of thing about um, The Hungry Caterpillar that book that you get read as a kid mm-hmm. and, and whenever you get to the end of it the kids always go again, again, again. And so so you're sort of, with your formats, trying to recreate that same quality, that same sort of familiarity, um, but being able to refresh it uh, in different ways. It's got
0: a great reveal as well.
2: Yeah, it's got a good reveal, yeah. If you yeah, haven't yeah. read it, I won't
0: give it away. But <laughs> do, do check it out. Um, so, Greg, what do you think, though, sometimes you can come up with a brilliant single that could be a soft pilot? Is that something you find when people pitch ideas to you, that you, you give it a go once, or...?
4: So that's a very interesting question. Um, a lot of, uh, I would say, the most important thing to bear in mind when you are developing, kind of, and we've touched on it a little bit, all of us, is it's a collaborative process. Whether, as Johnny has said, it starts in the room. There's 465 channels out there. No one person can watch everything that's on Sally. You'd be exhausted. It's absolutely impossible. Um, so primarily just so that you can avoid situations that Jill was in it's on telly now Um, it is important that the relationship is collaborative some person's idea of what is a really good series will actually only make a a very good one off and then if it rates through the roof sometimes if you can just get a one off which can then be perceived as a transmissible pilot, you can then go do you know what, that rated really well and when you stand back from it we might be able to change the casting we might be able to find something within it that will keep it consistently fresh, it could then develop into a returning series. So, yeah.
0: So you've, we've come up with a brilliant idea.
4: Mm-hmm.
0: It's a caterpillar. Um, what, what do you do to, be, to take that to commission? What's the, the formula when you go to pitch? What's, your, what's in your little briefing package that you take to the commissioner?
1: Oh, God. Um, You're going well, to see
0: Jill on Tuesday. Well, what, is it, what materials are you taking into the room?
1: Is it, useful? it might be useful to talk about a couple of examples of actual shows that we've done. And Actually, we'll come to one a bit later. Actually, yeah. we've got a tape um, we can show you later, with, um, which Jill and I worked on. But if I talk about the island, for example, and how we got to the island, because the we had an idea um, uh, at the time, which um, when we started out, it was, it was originally called the Island of Lost Blokes, and it was useless men being put on an island to, um, uh, to do a, a set number of tasks that would then by the end of it, they would have gone through a bit of a transformation and actually be better men as a result, <laughs> and that was the sort of beginning, starting point of it, and we, we, you know, we produced a tape, and we, um, we did some funded development on it. It was only after a while, which, after a bit of refining with Liam, who's, who's the head of um, Dent over at Channel 4, and actually, without the audience, to search searched Channel Four as well. We did after we did the tape, and the tape was some casting of some awful blokes that um, we would cast that you know weren't able to put a screw into a wall and you know um, uh, the, the kind of atypical sort of casting you would imagine. I felt a little bit familiar and it felt a little bit forced. And um, it was only after we'd you know produced the tape, we'd taken it to Liam, and actually one of the it was Liam actually at Channel Four that came back and said, you know, why don't we just strip all this right back? If we put twelve men on an island and just watch them, what would actually happen? And we all had this. Moment of fear where we thought, you know, for we four weeks, six weeks on an island, and these guys are just sitting on the beach for six weeks. That's not going to make any good. That's not going to make good television. So there was a, a point through the whole of that production where we were kind of with no idea whether we would actually get a, a makeable a show at the end of it. And it's quite the same happened with Hunted actually as well. Um, and there were two shows where we knew there was a process within those programmes, and uh, that the men would have to get food, they'd have to get shelter, they would face really bad weather. Um, they would have some internal struggles and a few might walk off, some might get ill uh, we knew that would happen but, or we were hopeful it would happen but we weren't quite sure if it would happen and um, we then uh, looked at the idea of the, uh, the embedded crew where we would um, have the crew in with the, uh, the cast actually experiencing it with the cast so the authenticity as Carl was saying earlier was, was there that we were absolutely seeing we'd broken down the fourth wall the, you know, where the, the camera people were actually in the actual programme itself um, and suddenly we got to a point where we felt we had a we had a program that held together. But it wasn't really until the end of that process when we delivered show one that we knew that it actually was going to work. And that was quite frightening the whole way through because it's quite an expensive show, and um, it was a, a big it was a big risk on Channel Four's part. And actually, that was probably it was probably one of the most interesting developments I've done um, and the processes that we've worked through because it, it, the, at no point did we feel like we were there until we were actually delivered with the show. Whereas there are other programs where I think with the likes of things um, like uh, Don't Tell the Bride, where you know there's a really clear process in in a wedding, and uh, if you you know if you strip it all back and you set it up at the top, someone's going to the, the husband's going to set up the wedding. You know that there's going to be six or seven points of that wedding: the cake, the dress, the venue, that you're going to get, and you're going to get some attention through it. And so some of those programs are really you know you, you can predict what's going to happen. You can,
0: pitch that, happen. Paper, you can you? pitch
1: that on paper. You um, can pitch that on paper. Whereas like Hunted in the Island, we really. Both of those, we've had to kind of, we've had to struggle through them to kind of, you know, to get them to, to work. Not struggle, but it's been we're we're, we're seat of your pants really um, as you're making it.
0: What was the first conversation with Channel Four? How did that go? Who walked in the room and what did they say?
1: The first chat was with Liam, where we just said, you know, there's men aren't represented on TV very well at the moment, um, and actually there's a whole generation of sort of men who've um, who want to feel like they. You know, they could be the hunter-gatherer providers. You know, what's happened is kind of, you know, men aspire to kind of, they used to be the hunter gar- the, the provider. And actually, the men's roles have kind of, you know, have dissipated. And there's something, you know, we, we're thinking around that territory of a whole, this whole generation now of useless men. And actually, people want to aspire to doing more. You know, it's just something we can do without casting. And that, that's, where we, that's where we started. Um, and it was kind of an initial thought and uh, they pitched their ends to lost blokes. But it, again, that was wh- it was back just at the end of that formatted era where people were still formatting in um, uh, points into programs. Where as actually that was when we stripped it all back. That's when we we weren't quite sure what we were going to get, but we we, we, were, we luckily it worked.
0: So how much preparation do you do before you take ideas in the room? When you when you turn up, do you what's your? Pitch we do look quite like? a lot. Um, do you have yeah, mood we, boards or yeah, sizzles? It, it
2: depends. I mean, there's no one way of pitching, and it partly depends on the idea, it also depends on who you're pitching to. Um, There are some ideas you can say in a line, and people go I get it, I love it, and there are some things that you need to support with a bit of tape and you might have cut um, something from clips you found online, or you might have even shot a bit of interview with someone that you you really like Um, We we, we genuinely do, try. I'm not sort of saying people are here, (laughs) we genuinely do try and make sure we're properly prepared Uh, There's nothing worse than feeling like you're busking it in the room, and the, the sort of few times that we have done it, we've come out. Even even if it goes well, you sort of feel pretty bad about yourself. And, and actually, you know, good commission editors will spot it straight away, and that's worse for your relationship. You know, you, m- most, uh, this is sort of a slightly depressing uh, sort of statistic, I suppose, if you like, but most meetings that you're going to, they're going to have to say no at some point, because they say commission editors will have to say no more often than they say yes. Um, so it's really important that you maintain a really good relationship with them even if they say no so they say no but they go away feeling like God, they're really good those guys mm-hmm. they came really well prepared they've really thought through the ideas mm-hmm. they showed me mood boards or had a bit of tape um, uh, I, I think preparing is like, absolutely crucial for your long term relationship as much as the idea itself um, but yeah we'll, we'll We'll use presentations um, to kind of walk people through a show. Um, There's a sort of variety of ways. And again, I sort of go back to that point I made earlier about doing things differently. Um, When when I was commissioning, uh, I'd sort of find it a bit depressing sometimes when the same people I saw would come in and pitch exactly the same way every time um, because they'd got into a comfort zone Um, or they'd sort of read the PowerPoint off in like (laughs) really long detail for you. So we try again to sort of pitch in different ways all the time.
3: So
0: apart from... When you're in the development, you're getting slates together and everyone's a bit panicky and nervous. The worst thing I always find is when you suddenly there's a list of 20 ideas and you're like, yeah, we cannot, you know, that, that's the worst case scenario. Is that, do you, what's yeah. your optimum amount of um, uh, ideas that we would rather... I mean, we always say three really strong ideas are better than...
4: I always think less is more. Yeah. And also, it kind of it, it depends on the meeting that you're having with your commissioning yeah. editor. John has kind of touched on this a little bit. There's various different types of Commissioner meetings that you have You can have a Commissioner meeting where you know As uh, an independent Or as a, as a senior development person You're going in to pitch for a specific slot Like a quiz show Or a, uh, a particular hour of television uh, So you've got a lot of information About that slot Say Monday night on Channel 5 We're looking for 8 o'clock ideas um, In that slot which skewed mail Because we're against the soaps And we're everybody's fifth choice So that level of information alone allows you to be more targeted for that meeting. There can be what are called speculative pitches, which could just be a cup of tea that you might have either with myself or with Jill, where you go in and you take ideas that you think are absolutely brilliant. <laughs> They're the fun ones, because <laughs> that's where we sit there and go, yeah, all right. But some of the time, or we go, yeah, that's absolutely genius, because we want to find the best idea as well. Let, yeah. you know, we're not here. We do not know. Uh, there's nothing that we know that you don't. Do you know what I mean? We, we just have the job at the broadcaster we want to find the next big hit just as much as you guys want to but yeah I would definitely say less is more start a conversation I wouldn't necessarily do a load of work uh, if it's an idea that you are just developing because you think it's going to work for telly that's when it becomes very important to get a collaborative kind of conversation of you know maybe send us a top line thought I'm sure Julie would say the same if the commissioning editor bites, if either myself or Jill or anyone else, ITV, BBC, nibbles, you then kind of develop it a little bit further, and then Jill used an excellent word, is this idea still active? Is this, you know, after about two or three weeks, you know it's either going to work or it isn't. So you'll chat in the room. Uh, You may get an opportunity to pitch for the slot that you are going for. You then might get an opportunity to pitch some other ideas that you might think are in the right ballpark, for the channel that you are having the meeting with. And then if you're very lucky and you've made good use of your hour, you might be able to go, and can I interest you in? And that is the moment where you pull out of your suitcase the idea that you had at 11 o'clock in the pub when you were absolutely (laughs) shit-faced, that you think, oh, my God, this will never fly, and then you turn up here because you've won a BAFTA for it because it's absolutely brilliant. Um, So it's just about assessing the room, really, and...
0: So your boss list
4: says that, read the room. Read the room and kind of go in and listen and as much as you talk because and i would say this to all of your peers as well you know it is a very network heavy kind of industry but you can always glean a little bit of information and you know mm. yeah i wouldn't overwork
3: there's a really interesting thing which is you can tell you know that i before can you tell whether or not something has been heavily developed the other thing is can you tell if it's been heavily developed for another channel <laughs> the answer is yes always it's like you've just taken this to alice and kirk about bbc2 because it's got a very bbc2 sensibility and so in terms of ideas i always think if you come to us with one element of the pitch that just isn't on paper i'm not necessarily talking about tape one thing that always works really well is a good fact a really good standout fact like there are uh one woman to every twenty thousand men in alaska do you know, just so some kind of idea that you can kind of go. Is that bloody true? And then you go, then they go. Oh, it's probably it's somewhat check if it's true. And then you, and then you can kind of really get hold of that and work with it. This was an idea that Shine, who are quite a big company, had filmed some characters speculatively. And uh, on this occasion, it was absolutely that they did the job. I'd say, would you? Good. because everyone's got different tastes. All my commissioning editing team, they've all got different tastes, really different tastes. So occasionally. I take all my gang and we go and meet all their gang because some of my gang are just like into restoration in a weird, weird way. And, <laughs> you know, and they'd look at that and go, you've gone mad, but I'll have a lovely couple of hours with the Landmark Trust. Um, and then we'll get one of those. So we, as I think a few of us had gone down to meet those guys and they showed us that tape. I think we pretty much took it in the room, didn't we, Johnny? Yeah,
1: yeah you did. Um, uh, yeah, I, just, I mean, the tape sort of sells it. Um, and it, obviously, we, it's... Uh, it was still being refined when we were making it it wasn't, you know, we, you never really get to you get to a certain point at commission but ultimately, and we played around with it a lot You know, we played around with different slots, different um, time you know, a half hour or an hour um, is it presenter-led, is it not presenter-led and actually that, there was lots of conversations that went on you know, over the process, but um, uh, we did get there, but it just shows if you get good people on tape, I always think a good character or you, you hone in on, a, a kind of on, a, on an agenda or a uh, a sort of philosophy um, that people have that you can just you know just point the camera at and expand out um, and we sort of we sort of, we, that was the kind of that was the um, intention with those girls was to was to kind of show that there's a, lots of different ways to dress out there and actually there's no right or wrong and that that debate and conversation is actually quite rich and we haven't really seen that on TV
0: but you as a company had Made a decision to invest in shooting, even though, you know, even though
1: it's rough and unfunded, it's still a commitment, isn't it? Yeah, it so is. It was, that was a day shit, so it wasn't you know. But we found a you know, you had we, we had to girls. find that girl. We had to bring her to London. We had the girls, obviously. We find those, and we you know. And so it was a it, it did take a wee bit of time to get together, but it wasn't a, a huge outlay. I mean, that didn't take too much to, to pull mm, together.
2: Yeah. About a year ago, yeah, just over a year ago, BBC Three had gone online. Um, more and more uh, sort of newer players, whether that's AOL or. YouTube, uh, Red Bull are asking for short form content, and, um, and we want to sort of be able to diversify and deliver as much of that as we do long form. Um, so, so we decided to invest in a, a piece of short form uh, to sort of see if we could do it cheaply um, but still
4: have something quite sort of different about it.
0: Actually, Jude, can we go a little bit off piece? Could we go to the Kitten Impossible?
4: Um, so, exactly the same um, as these uh, two guys here, really. Uh, so uh, Channel 5 this is is an example of a very very small production company called Middle Child uh, who is essentially just two blokes uh, who came to me one day with the idea for uh, they had an RSPCA access uh, and wanted to bring it to Channel 5 and I said "Mm, I've seen a lot of animal access shows elsewhere if you make it about dogs Britain's favourite pet it will probably work and apropos of that as a result of Cups of Tea and Conversations we um, successfully commissioned the dog rescuers with Alan Davis. As part of an ongoing relationship between myself and Middle Child, the company involved, they began to talk some more to me. They demonstrated an understanding of what Channel 5, how hard Channel 5 has to fight within the uh, parameters of other terrestrial broadcasters. There's BBC One, BBC Two, ITV, Channel 4 and then the world Channel 5. 20 years old uh, next year, uh, we didn't come along until 1997. Our marketing isn't fantastic, but you'll only really watch Channel 5 if there's nothing on 1, nothing on 2, nothing on 3, nothing on 4. Oh, go on then, we'll watch Channel 5. So, when well, I say call the space, you know what I mean? So these guys said, well, we've got a little something for you. We, we like to call our one-off sort of scheduled treats. And they came in, sat down, opened the laptop, and did nothing more than say, watch this. Straight away, just went, yeah, absolutely. Great title, Kitten Impossible. They literally, t- two blokes, a bit like you, sat in a basement, just went, let's fuck around, excuse my language, with some clicks <laughs> from the internet. I apologise for the varying quality of them, but absolutely got the channel. At channel, uh, channel 5, we have to work that bit harder than all the other broadcasters. Our programming budget annually is only 200 million. You know, we're not that visible, even after 20 years. So, are you going to watch something that's a load of cats doing brilliant things? Under an umbrella title that completely tells you exactly what it is, and all they did was go away and get the theme tune to the film and edit it in Final Cut Pro. Brilliant, they got a commission.
0: But they they came up with that title?
4: They came up with the title. But um,
0: Channel 5 is known for its sort of titles (laughs) that shout quite loudly. Um, Yes. How much do people get if, if someone comes to you with that title? Can you sometimes see something in uh, an idea and you think, they haven't nailed the title and you sort of the, the channel will help with that? Or? Titles
4: are, you guys help me out here, titles are like the holy grail, aren't they? How many yeah. times have you sat in a room, how many people nodding around the room and go, right, what are going to call this? Mm-hmm. What are going to call it? And then you sit there and go, no, that's a shit title. Yeah. Nobody's going to watch that. And then I like to play the game of, can you imagine the continuity announcer saying yeah, it? Yeah. Like, and now on Channel 4, can be impossible. Yes, you can imagine that.
0: But what's your favourite, you,
4: are you going to ask me? You yeah. want me to say break, break, "psycho God. pussies" yeah. when cats attack? Right. I'm going to tell you. That. There you are. You got it out of me. Um,
0: but that was. Did they come up with that title? No.
4: We started off. Uh, we started off in an editorial meeting, Doghouse Media, at the company. Again, very very small. We worked with a lot of small indies at uh, Channel Five, and the conversation was, uh, "God, my my girlfriend's cat is an absolute." Psycho. Whenever I go around its house, her house, it launches itself at me. And so we drank some more tea and said, is there a program in When Cats Attack? And Can you go away and cast different stories of cats that attack for different reasons? It could be always weeing in someone's handbag. It could be not letting anybody in the house. It could just be going mad. Um, and yes, they could. They went away and they did it. And then it came to what's called Final Exchange, which happens on, I think, Tuesday afternoon. Um, final exchange for people in the room who don't know is when all the the, the big five broadcasters sit down and go, right, this is what we're going to play in our press week. We all lie, we all cheat, we all try and move things around in the schedule, but then there does eventually come a time where Channel 4 go, right, this is where we're going to play One Born Every Minute, this is where we're going to play 24 hours in cash. we um, uh, police any. custody of any. Uh, and Channel 5, you know, we try and score a win by working out where we can go in between the juggernaut soaps on ITV and Bake Off when it's on BBC One. So we're all sat in a meeting at Channel 5 and Ben Frown, my boss the director of programmes, goes oh my God, Channel 4 are playing this, BBC Two are playing that, ITV have got that and this is on BBC One. What are we going to call this programme? Because when cats attack, just isn't enough. And we sat in the room, it actually wasn't anything to do with the production company, but everything to do with the people who were in there from kind of scheduling and we just run out of ideas until, and this is almost like the equivalent of the 11 o'clock glass of wine where you kind of go, do you know what I might as well say this because we're all exhausted and there's no way it's going to get commissioned and I said, why don't we call it psycho buses? And everybody kind of fell about laughing and went, okay, Psycho is Curl on one cat's fat. It did 1.9 million viewers, which for Channel 5 is amazing yeah. and was the highest rated upmarket show of 2015 on our channel. So, you know, there you go. Risk and reward. <laughs> <laughs> but
3: the, t- the titles, if that, if that is one thing, Liam Humphreys will do, who commissions the island and hunted... Um, he will do sessions where it's just a title session. So he'll have uh, sessions with production companies. And occasionally it's a really good way of doing something because production companies come in. And again, it's a bit slightly like mixing it up in terms of the way that you do present your ideas. And it's not the newest format in the world for a pitching meeting. But you come in and you've got five pieces of card and they go, choose a title. And that's actually the sort of the most analog version of the EPG and Ben Frau was always we did a lot of work for Ben Frau and we were making Can You Live Without and we'd done Can You Live Without Cigarettes which was a very good show and I said we can't call it that it sounds like a sort of terrible warning from the health council you know I was thinking I don't want to watch I've made it and he said oh call it Can You Live Without Your Fags I went, can we do that? He said, yeah. And again, 2.2. And that was just from someone just being a little bit less clenched yeah. about the whole titling process. Yeah. And I think you, there's ones when you go out nakedly to go, we need some bums on seats. But also, if you can get it, in, if you can't get it in a title and two lines, forget it. Yeah. To forget it immediately. When I arrived at Channel 4, there was a programme called Compare Your Life. And I'd rather compare my life to anyone else's while it was on the telly because it was absolutely awful. And we knew it was going to be awful. Well, I did when I arrived and I didn't look after it, so I'm fine. Um, <laughs> it took five minutes to explain it. It took five minutes to just explain it to, to... It would have taken five minutes to explain it to you. That's when you go, well... Unless there's a pamphlet going round to everyone's house who's gonna watch it go, this just have a quick read of this about five to eight and then it'll be fine. Then don't bother. Genuinely don't bother. The two things, if you can't get a title, explain it in two lines and you don't get the most massive explosion of love for it in the room or over email. Don't waste any more time on it. If someone doesn't say, Oh my god, forget it. That's honestly if you haven't got because to get it from the point at which it is an idea on a piece of paper that someone's come up with through the hell of getting it funded, through the hell of getting it cast, yeah. legal. It's a miracle anything's on the telly. It really mm-hmm. genuinely is. Then you've got to cast it, and you've got to get more money for it because it's on. It's up at some point. And then you edit it, and then everyone's really sad for some reason. There's a whole period when everyone's really sad I've no idea. And then everyone cheers up a bit, and then you've got the press to do it. <laughs> If someone or you, if, if two of you aren't in a room or on the phone or on an email with one of you going, and two of you going, that's a bit brilliant, isn't it? I think, is it a bit brilliant? Is it a bit, it's a bit brilliant, that, isn't it? If, if someone is not saying that, d- don't do it. The thing,
2: I think also, like, don't be afraid to sort of keep practising pitching. right? Because yeah. I, I think um, when I was sort of quite junior... I was really paranoid that like, people would steal my ideas okay. or if I said them out loud and so I'm just waiting for my one moment where I might meet a commissioner and then I'll say it you know, and then you say it and you go well, that sounds a bit rubbish when say set out loud <laughs> um, and I, in everything you do try and kind of rehearse the way you pitch an idea or say it because you refine, refine, refine. Sometimes we start with things that are a bit complicated and then we get it down to a pithy one-liner mm-hmm. um, or we find that title. So so I would sort of definitely encourage you to keep talking about your ideas to friends and trusted sort yeah. of colleagues. About people
0: not stuff. telly people is quite good, yeah, is it? Yeah, definitely, definitely, definitely.
2: My mum is a good person yeah. for that. Just, she usually hates it all, but um, she's good, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And my husband's like, he's not a telly person at all and I was going, what do you think? And
0: he's going...
4: What the fuck are you talking about? I think the bumflechy thing, if, yeah. if you don't want, is a is a really good good phrase for it because I think sometimes we get so involved in telly and we think that there's like this like fine art of how to make it. Sometimes, there isn't, and actually just to take a step back and go and watch a piece of content and go what's happening in this, what actually is going on in this, you will kind of arrive at what it is. And I think what Ben did was just tell it like it is and yeah. go, and okay, slightly take a risk, change the word cigarettes to facts, But yeah. it is sometimes hard to just kind of drop that uptightness and go, do you know what? It's that. Yeah. Yes, it is. Let's call it that.
0: Yeah. And we're getting a little bit close to the end, which is sad. But I just want well, one question, which is sort of flipping on the other side. The relationship between commissioners and the, the producers is obviously very key. But I think we were talking earlier, sometimes people okay. will say, oh, they never get back to us. Yeah, do you can, can
4: I please start okay, this? Because I, I sat in this room two years ago when Ben Frau joined Channel 5 and some independent company at the back. We are only a commission team of six at Channel 5. We are the smallest. And some woman who shall remain nameless stood at the back and asked the question in the room in front of my boss and I was on the front row here. How long do you aim to get back to people? And Ben said, well, we always try and get back to everybody, but within kind of like four or five weeks, I think it's acceptable. I got named and shamed. (laughs) A little bit. I always get named and shamed because there are six of us, and it's just a little appeal, right? And also a bit of advice. It's really hard to get in the room with commissioning editors. You know, let's call a spade a spades and go, you know, send us you no, you can't have a cup of tea with me. Send me your top line thoughts because I'm gonna say that to you so I can go, I don't have to meet you, and if the idea isn't rubbish, I don't have to then endure half an hour with someone who's got rubbish ideas. Sorry, but that's how it works. If myself or Jill do not get back to you after about thirteen attempts at trying, don't publicly name and shame us at a ceremony like this. Just send a comedy email back going, do you really hate me that much? Have I got body odour? All I really want is a cup of tea with you. Please, can I come and talk to you about some ideas? Then you'll get in the room. Turn it on its head and make it funny. You'll still make us feel incredibly shit for not getting back in touch with you, but do it another way. Please don't name and shame. It doesn't do you any favours. It will kill your chance of ever getting a commission with that broadcaster. It's that simple.
0: And do do you think it is true, though, you were saying earlier, that sometimes just saying it quickly in an email, top line... (coughs) works yeah, better
3: we get honestly we get obviously we we both do we get lost, and honestly the channel five commissioning team makes me feel sick because they turn so much work out we will get back we genuinely will get back i would say make sure you think it's good make sure you think it's really good before you put it in an email to someone make sure you think it's really really good because <laughs> it's true people do you know what i've really experienced really experienced heads of department heads of production company goes come in and say to us honestly are you still looking for food and you go in what sense you know (laughs) i'd quite like a butty i'm starving but yeah food in general what particular brand you know that it's kind of you know i can't answer that you know i cannot answer the question are you still looking for food would i like bake off yeah i really would yeah but that started as a one-off and i haven't got an awful lot of time so can we crack on so if you think it's really really good send it and someone will get back to you. And they genuinely will. And you know what? You know if it wasn't good, that's why you won't hear back. Because no one, we read everything. Whether or not we have time to get back to it within the 21 days allocated, we read everything because somewhere in that inbox might be a bomb. Somewhere you might have been, even if we don't know your name, you might be a contributor saying, actually my mum's died and I don't know who else to contact. So there's nothing that gets unread in anyone's inbox, nothing so if it didn't if someone doesn't get back to you in that period of time honestly wasn't very good but mostly we will because we're decent people and we don't want you to Absolutely. anyone to feel we don't want anyone to feel for about themselves at all genuinely we want to make good stuff rule of thumb i'd say is people get back to you in three weeks about three weeks if you think oh i've done all of the stuff i've got to do and now it's bank holiday monday you know what i'm going to get through all of that now, will do it if it's not, if, honestly, if you've put an idea and you've heard a little bit back about it, not too much, you don't know whether or not you're going forwards or backwards. If you haven't had a really meaningful co- piece of communication from someone in six weeks, it's not happening. So that's been through two commissioning cycles then. Okay, so just for you to manage your own expectations, if, it hasn't, if someone hasn't come back to you within six weeks, they should have come back and said, hi, how are you, oh, I'm not sure. Tonight. If it hasn't happened in six weeks, honestly... It's just genuinely not happening because that's how long it takes in a, in a channel sure. to go, you know what, oh, I, I kind of think we should get behind this a little bit and then you find out that something else is happening a little bit like it or that, and you kind of go, oh, I don't think we can do it now. But that's it. In six weeks, you're done. It's unlikely
0: if there's a killer idea
3: that you love that you will have forgotten to get back, isn't it? Yeah, no, that's, that's genuinely the way it is. And I think it's about... There's two things. It's about the insight. It's like when we did The Island... It was really about masculinity, and the arguments that were had in that channel were just absolutely brilliant. Ralph Lee, who's the deputy head of the channel, got absolutely furious, honestly, for half an hour about Peppa Pig. They're fuming daddy pig stupid, grandpa pig stupid, at the point at which I was choking tea out of my nose and so fuming about Peppa Pig. But that was, you could tell, that had really, and then the people going... I can do stuff. I like You can buy cappuccino from the man. You cannot play in a door. You know, and so everyone in telephone goes, I could play in a door. If I wasn't making a film with Grayson Perry, I'd play in a door. You know, <laughs> I was like, you wouldn't play in a door. And so this then harnessed conversation for about two hours. And then, you know, then you know when everyone's a bit furious, defensive, aggressive, people are laughing. Then, you know, that went in six weeks, I'd say, from that point that that had all happened. So... Look at the insight that goes with it. The other thing is, and I can't say to you, you know when you're thinking about your ideas now, I can't say to you enough in terms of what's happening with us, please look at the landscape. Really look at the landscape. If you can see, actually, that there's five singing shows on a Saturday night, we're not going to do another one because we probably haven't got the money and we can't compete I can't do a big baking show. I can't do bake-off. Mm-hmm. So I can't do anything with cakes, really, is the truth. I and like Jill them.
4: can't, I can't. Yeah, and so really. same, same goes. We
3: can eat them with a bit of gin. But that's the, so that's the other thing I would say to be aware of is sometimes you'll have an idea and it'll be brilliant. We, everyone has. Everyone's got an idea that's brilliant somewhere. But if you haven't got the landscape, if, it's, if it doesn't exist, if, there's a, if, there's, if Greg is doing a lot of cat shows, I can't do a cat show. If someone's doing a lot of cake shows, I can't do a cake show. So you have to really think about what, what's out there that other people are doing. Because that's what we have to think about. So save yourself the time. So it's a time thing, you've got loads to do. Save yourself the time by being as aware of as you possibly can about what's going on. And what, if you put those filters on, so we do. Is we go, oh, ask doing well at the moment, isn't it? And everyone seems to be clean food. That seems to be a thing. Or is it dirty food? Oh, we've moved up. You know. So it's being aware, but also being aware of the landscape that you're in. We're, we've got 15 minutes left, and I was told that I
0: should give lots of space for questions. So shall we?
4: Hi. Thanks very much for sharing your experiences. Really
1: insightful and great to hear all about it. Um, my question is, how much of a how much has affected the sort of uh, the track record? of the companies that pitch to you in your sort of decision-making process. So if there's a new company uh, that's virtually, that virtually hasn't done any TV before, would you consider them? And also, in, uh, in relation to that, if we do send you, say, a genius one-liner, but we're a nobody at that point in time, what stops you from taking that genius one-line idea and giving it to one of the companies that you regularly
4: work with because you know that they'll do a good job with it? I think that's very... Honest question. Thank you for it. Um, the answer is, it is important, uh, and I think sure you will agree. You know, we um, uh, speaking on behalf of Channel Five. I've, I've disclosed the annual program budget that we have. We can't afford to make mistakes. So you have to be trusted, or you have to be honest. So if you yourself pitch me an idea, uh, let's call it Company X. Company X pitch me an idea. As a two-line thought in my inbox, I go. This is quite good, actually. I would then ask for a company profile, or at least a CV, of the people uh, for all the people, all the personnel involved at your production company, so I can look back and go, how many programmes have they made? What kind of programmes have they made? And at what level? What experience within this field? Say, for example, let's use the cake show as an idea. If you've never made baking, you're never going to get a commission. What I mean, it's it, it's kind of that straightforward. But it, but I think broadcasters generally are very loyal, and if it is your idea, we would partner you and look to nurture you. Channel Four uh, is a shining example of that because it invests twenty million, I think, and its great fund. So um, we would partner you with somebody else. Emma and I both worked at Two Four. Uh, got two thousand and seven it was now, so hundred years ago. But, um, I was a child, um, a child. That, Yeah, I, me too, me too. Born in to um uh But there was a, uh, a guy there in Factual who uh, secured the commission for the Indies. And even a, a company of, which is now the scale of two four back in 2007, was not perceived as credible enough within the field of live entertainment programming and ITV granted to for the commission on the proviso that they worked with RDF mm-hmm. and it became a 50-50 split so we will look for the pedigree within you in the first in, or the experience within you in the first instance and I'm sure till you would agree because yeah if it's your idea we would seek to reward that but if the bottom line is we don't feel that you've got the right level of experience to make that programme ultimately the box stops with us because there's going to be millions of viewers out there who watch us and go, well, that was a pile of, what, you know, pile of crap. We're not going to watch Channel 5 or Channel 4 anymore. So we would then look to partner you with someone else so you can get your idea S- Some
0: away. tips as well for that, though, is if you just go, like you will saying, oh, I've read something in the paper and I've kind of got a feeling that this is a good subject area, that's going to be far less compelling if you go, I've got an amazing character and my relationship with that character mm-hmm. is unique, or I've got access to a, an institution that no-one else can get access mm-hmm. to you could be (coughs) relatively unknown and Mm -hmm. that then becomes very compelling because you've got something. And I always think, someone once said to me, the sort of development (coughs) sort of little acronym is FATSO, formats, access, talent, Mm -hmm. stunts and opportunity, and really access and talent is a massively compelling piece of arsenal in your your whatever you... Whatever you'd finish that sentence with. Um, another question
1: was it? Yeah, as industry insiders, in terms of uh, themes and topics, where do you see it going? What do you see more attractive to your audience? Is it travel? Is it design? Is it interiors, fashion?
2: Really hard, I think, to answer that um, because everyone will say you never know when the next hit is coming from. So when everyone's kind of looking at, let's say, competitions like baking or pottery you know you sort of want to be looking in the other direction um so um i honestly if i knew i would be obviously keeping it to myself developing (laughs) it but um but i I think you know you, you generally want to stay in quite broad territories what they often say are perennials you know that food um you know Property. Uh, property, exactly. Um, family. you know, so, so you want to stay in those areas that you know are, are broadened and always loved um, and, and often trying to find new ways into them mm-hmm. rather than trying to find a completely new topic or area that no one's ever made any telly about uh, in there a broad way. There's a reason for that, isn't yeah, there? Yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah.
0: I got a brief from a commissioner recently saying there's no new areas really, yeah. but there's just different, different ways of doing yeah. it. If you look at Gogglebox, in a way, it's kind of points of view. Yeah. Mm-hmm but just done completely differently. So um, this is related to um, the first question, actually. Would you say, if you've got no track record, that it's actually
3: better to pitch to a production company um, rather than actually try and get access to commissioners? And how easy is it to, to get sort of in the room with a
4: development team in a production company?
1: Yes, I mean, if you're an individual producer, like it is, I mean, you guys will probably, from the channel point of view, will, uh, will, will probably, you probably won't take unsolicited ideas from uh, individuals, will you? Um, uh, you may do. To
3: be honest, it depends on the production company. So, it, sort of with the big IPCs like Endemol, Shine won't take any, literally won't take unsolicited ideas because they've got Johnny. And so, therefore, they've got Johnny. He's amazing. And so, also, they own all his IP. So, that is bought out for life, that poor boy, honestly. <laughs> Same as me. <laughs> uh, and well. Yeah, yeah. So, so, so actually, their salaries. And so, to, to, if say you took something to an IPC that's a format and it turns out to be Bake Off, they don't have an agreement with you. It's horrendously complicated. So, either get yourself a job on a development team or you can email a commissioning editor. Find out the one who's going to like the idea. You've got, if you're going to do that, you've got to research the people, okay? And they may never get back to you, so that's a risk that you're going to take because they got, I don't recognise it, and da-da-da. and so it's a risk that you're going to take. But if it's that good and you've made it bespoke to that person... Like one of my commissioning editors, Kate Tetman. If you send her something that was so bonkers, you think you might get locked up for it, she'll read it. Okay, so that's the thing. But you have to have put that commensurate level of work into it. Um, Better generally if you can buddy up with a small indie who've got a relationship with commissioner because it's more in their interests to share their IP, their intellectual property. Big ones. before
0: back in the day um, they did umbrella quite a lot of small indeed and Mel Leach was so hungry for ideas (laughs) we we took quite a few things off I mean, I used to be her head of development, and I'd go, do I really have to respond to all of these people yeah. sending me their random yeah. ideas? And she'd go, yes! <laughs> because they might be better But actually, that's a very... And, they, and they, some a, of them yeah. are dead famous.
4: Yeah, this, it's a very this is a really, I, say, yeah. We'd
0: made a show, which was back in the day, <laughs> it was a digital show for I'm Living, right, yeah. but it was, someone came to us and went, Living does ghosts and famous people, and we went, they yeah, do. I'm and they said, true. we've got a show, and it was called um, Celebrity Haunts, and it, wanted, it was like we're going to hunt the ghosts of death.
3: <laughs> we
0: made four series of that, and it, mm-hmm. it, it was for ten episodes, and they got a nice little earner out of it. But, I
3: mean, you know, it did work. Yeah. Speculatively, a very nice man who is a, has been a series producer recently, to your point, uh, got in touch with us and said, um, you know you used to do the Sterling Prize for, for Reba, for the architectural organisation? And we decommissioned it years ago because it didn't race. And he said, Well, I've just got the best house part of that. And he was just, he'd just gone to Reba, got access right. to it. And we said, It's bloody brilliant, absolutely bloody brilliant. And so we said, But you, it, a lot of the time it's about business infrastructure that actually smaller companies we, we commission very quickly, they don't have the ability to get going with the business affairs. La, la. So we immediately said, What about Boundless who make grand designs? But he, it, it was his format fee it was here's bit of the production fee so we don't nick them we just go do you know what it's quick it's brilliant you've got it you've got the access we put them together with fiona caldwell at boundless we absolutely will do it but you've got to come to us with something that's concrete and unturned arable to, to kind of to get to that level of being able to go okay let's let's make it work
1: what I do get a lot of people through the door with is um, uh, talent led pieces so people who are who are looking to be become young journalists or want to be on screen talent and have got a really good personal story or um, subject that they want to explore Which might work on, say, BBC Three or E4 or, you know, or a digital, uh, you know, maybe one of the shorts on BBC Three. And I I do get young talent through who've got an idea and who've done, you know, or maybe radio presenters and maybe want to break into TV. So there is, sometimes it is worth going in. Uh, They generally have agents, sometimes they don't. Sometimes we'll just, um, we'll find a great story in an article and we'll give them a call ourselves. But that's often a route into, um, if any of you are um, as a young journalist looking to, um, looking to get onto, onto TV, if you've got a really good personal story or a really good um, subject you want to explore, that could be a really good way in. And you, could, you, you can take that, to you can choose an indie to go to that make the kind of programme that you want to make and go and talk to them.
2: Do you think there is an advantage in pitching with some kind of taster or sizzler with a couple of minutes from some, something? I'm thinking of narrative comedy at the moment. Uh, as opposed to coming in with the idea or a script?
4: It, does it make much difference? I would say, from the point of view of comedy, yes, because it's very subjective and senses uh, a sense of humour are very different. Uh, you, what you want to be doing is something like the Kitten Impossible Taste to Tape. It's hard to grab a commissioning editor's attention. We, uh, I don't know about you uh, so much, Joe, but I get pitched quite a lot of. A great idea for comedy. A great idea for comedy, and people want me to wade through scripts. It's not going to happen, is is the reality. But if you can, if you can afford to do maybe something that that, 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 that Carl did, kind of, you know, we, we're broadcasters. We don't expect when we're not funding development for it to be all tits and tinsel and beautifully shot and look like Downton Abbey. You know, and these days iPhones are four K. So you know, take a risk. It might pay off. But on something like comedy, to answer your question, I think it would be probably be, be very helpful if you can create some kind of visual as to how it's going to work.
0: Thank you so much to Jill, Carl.
4: If you're keen to hear more
0: about how funding works in the film industry, listen to the podcast British Films and Where to Fund Them. See what they did there? It features BAFTA-nominated producer Gavin Humphreys and is available for free at BAFTA.org forward slash guru. Or you can search for us on SoundCloud.